0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskert. How are you doing today, Emily?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm tired. I'm in Massachusetts now. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah, you're home for the holidays.
0: Yeah, and I'm tired and cold.
1: Yeah, I bet it's cold. I've heard it's crazy.
0: Yeah, so for this weekend, Friday night, uh, Friday's supposed to be actually pretty warm for the time of year around here. It's going to be in the upper 40s, lower 50s, and raining all day. Oh and then that Arctic blast is going to hit overnight, and it's going to drop like 40 degrees overnight.
2: Yikes. Down.
0: So it's going to be a cold, 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 cold-ass Christmas. Um, That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we can't all live in the Bay Area.
1: No, it's, <laughs> to be fair, like, it is very cold here, more so than usual, so.
0: Well, I, I came from Orlando, and it's, like, 50 degrees in Orlando right now, which is colder than it's used to. Yeah,
1: everyone's having, like, a, a lot, it's a lot colder this time of year right now, so.
0: It's, it's countrywide right now.
1: You know what else is cold? When your team fires you after 17 years for no reason.
0: Okay, nice transition, nice Nice go. Yeah. Uh, we already talked last episode about the Kenny and Matalula Still firemen.
1: upset. Still upset.
0: Uh, Navy made a hire. They promoted Brian Newberry to head coach from defense. <laughs> and I want to put this uh, politely because I think Brian mm. Newberry is a really good defensive mind and I like him. Like, okay. this, I like him. Mm-hmm. What's the point of firing yeah. if you going to promote the defense coordinator? If you're saying, hey, this staff has issues where we need to move on why are you promoting from within this is not you when you fire a coach the way you did you're saying this is no longer successful but then you sign up for more of it
1: I think he I think this is a very specific message that he was saying that that was not was the problem which I can't even fathom I like that cannot be right
0: I think that Gladchuck and Niamatololo had a power struggle especially for the Ivan Jasper thing and I think he won't I think no matter what happened this season, he was going to fire him just to prove that he was the one in charge. And I think it's a short sighted, petty move.
1: Yeah. This someone. is like when parents are arguing over custody in court for the kids. And like, this is not good for them. It's not good for anybody. And but it's.
0: I do want him to emphasize I like Brian Newberry. I think he's.
1: Yeah. Really isn't, he's being used as a pawn, though, in all of this. And I'm because it's not about problem. him.
0: I'm not saying he shouldn't have taken the job either because of course, of course
1: you're going to take it. Yeah. I yeah. don't fault him for uh, that. I just
0: like, I don't see how this fixes anything. You know what I mean? And like, I heard people like saying right after the fire, like, well, they're just, they're going to get a Paul Johnson disciple. It's going to be good. It's going to be the triple still, but it's going to be like good again. I'm like, Kenny the was a Paul Johnson guy? Like, what are you going to get on? I'm very curious to see who he hires on the offensive side of the ball to run it. Yeah. Uh, I mean
1: cuz we've already I mean, seen him hire the defensive I mean, coordinator well yeah. not hire again promote from within you know we see that's linebacker's true. coach PJ Volker move up into the defensive coordinator position and I'm not mad at that either
0: no, because you look at because that's a good yeah,
1: yeah he coached know. under him he gets it and I have to give Newberry credit for this you know the get six mentality that navy had is definitely you know it's from him. And I think it was a good thing. He instituted, he he told his defense, if they could get a combination of six, three and outs, fourth down stops, turnovers, defensive touchdowns, blah, 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 that they would win. And that was proven, you know? And so we're not sitting here saying this is a bad idea, but the way that this is all unfolded is inexcusable for a place like Navy. It's just not how they should be doing business. It's not how they should be showing the team that they do business.
0: It's too petty. It's too so petty. I don't even want to say it's SCC because SCC is a little bit different, but it's the same kind of infighting for no reason.
1: Yeah. And it's like any other school I'm for that. Like I love pettiness all about it. But at a place that's representing our country, that's defending our country, that's teaching young men like the things that they need to do in the battlefield, pettiness is not one of those things. So it's kind of disgusting. And I'm a little bit upset about it, but
0: and we'll see what they do to to go on off. You know, army just mm-hmm. made a transition on the offensive side of the ball. They so did the guys to know the triple who are going to be available. You know,
1: that's another one I'm, I'm upset about because Brent Davis, I, heads of to coordinated army, really good guy. And
0: I, I got not, it. I also didn't get it there. Like the offense was right. not very good this year. The right. But
1: guys, I don't think at, that was his fault. Like, and they win thinking, the Navy game and.
0: Yeah, well, there, there's ebbs and flows when you, for any mm-hmm. college team, but especially at the academies for like, yeah. what type of player you have. And like, this was a definitely a down year for the talent at Army offensively, right? But they've been good in recent years on the offensive side of the ball too. So I didn't hundred percent. I think that was a short sighted one. But what I my understanding is Jeff Munkin doesn't want to be at Army forever. This is not his end goal, and I that think does not surprise trying, me. <laughs> and I think that he probably is trying to like push for that sooner than later to go find a, uh, I don't know, a.
1: I don't know if you a, say power five, right? Oh, like.
0: No. I'm thinking like the type of school that would be willing to go for a traditional triple guy. Like his name came up a lot when Kansas opened before they hired mm-hmm.
1: light
0: bold, not light bold. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I like if Georgia tech, the cycle decided to go back, like said, all right, tried to break from the triple didn't work. You know, so they're out there, but I mean, also more realistically, you say, you say, a. Uh, I don't want to fire Mike Bloomington on you, but a rice type job where like, you know, there's limitations and et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I could see that. It's just a lot of disappointing stuff from the service academies right now. Not not happy about it, but...
0: Yeah, and again, I think... I think it's
1: indicative of the state of unrest in college football in general.
0: I think it's in the AAC especially, you're seeing, like... Mm -hmm this kind of panic as the conference turns over. Right.
1: And there's a jockeying for who's going to be at this top, you know, and I know your team, you want to be there. It's a, it's a chance for anybody to kind of Mm -hmm. set the tone and be that top team, but this is not how you do it. I don't
0: know. I I, I think they made a mistake this year, but, um, but yeah, why did Tulsa move on from Phillip Montgomery this year? Like I know the results weren't there and I was fine with the move
1: that you one make, makes more
0: sense though to me you make like, because well yeah it, there's a <laughs> lot of reasons that makes more sense but like
2: right
0: <laughs> instead of last year or next year because this is the transition year you're like okay why did north texas fire Latrell? because they yeah. thought that next i know I, we we don't need to re, re-litigate that whole thing <laughs> yeah. why did they do it i think they did because they think they maxed out their potential under him and going into a new conference they wanted to like see if they could do more and again that's another one where i was like i don't really get the firing especially being get the timing. but i like yeah. them there so like i don't know we'll see we'll see how it all works out in the end
1: we really um, will speaking of making mistakes in the conference we had two bowl games that we could talk about oh and, two. Oh, and two, oh, and two in the aac saturday uh, we had two games and dan's going to start us off with which one
0: um, ju- 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 ju. I want to do the Fenway Bowl first. How about?
1: Yeah, I figured you would want Nails? to do the Wasabi Fenway Bowl.
0: Which, by the way, when they say Wasabi, they do not mean the condiment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like That's some te- it's like a tech company. Um, it's tech, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Louisville twenty-four, Cincinnati seven. If I'm not mistaken, That's,
1: you're right. Twenty-four-seven. That's an eight and five Louisville defeating a nine and four Cincinnati who just so didn't
0: show up. Yeah. So this whole year I talked a lot about, I thought Ben Bryant was a very limited quarterback. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, you knew he yeah, has floors fine, but like he isn't ever going to get you above a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was frustrating to me that since I kept going back to the well on him because I was like, you've got this really highly talented kid in Evan Prater. I want to see what he could do. Now, I've seen two games of what he can do and I get it. I I apologize. Yeah. Prater, uh, I'm not saying that Prater will never be good. I'm saying he clearly wasn't ready this season. Right. He had to play because of Ben Bryant's injury. Uh his oh the game is too fast for him right now. And that that was just so obvious in this.
1: Season. I just think there's zero excuse 22. to to put up 127 yards. I think there's just no
0: no, well, <laughs> they should be running for that. They really should. But like, <laughs> like I, that's and an I insane. The, and I know the circumstances were really funky in this, with both head coaches for both teams being gone.
1: Right. And,
0: you know, a lot of starters for both teams being gone. Like, but that's you know, making a terrible Luke case. not play either. You know? Right. This like, is making
1: Luke, a bad case that that Luke Fickle was Cincinnati. Is that what we're saying? Is that he no. really was Cincinnati, and there is not a Cincinnati without him?
0: That's not a hundred percent what I wanna say just yet though. But it do. looks like
1: it. It's starting if, to look like that.
0: What if I was a Cincinnati fan and I the thing is bowl games I really try to put a grain of salt to like yeah. it's just not they're not a great sample in reality of like how good teams actually are because of numerous like again, because both teams are on interim coaches. Maybe Kerry Combs is just a bad head coach in he day on branches like
1: But – low- but- it's the, I mean? it's the same guys that that fickle had it's the same mm-hmm. i'm assuming game
0: a lot of a lot of transfers for both teams opted out of the game things like that are like that was a big factor this was uh god i can't remember which head coach said it but described it as like a backup versus backup game this is whose second string was better but mm-hmm. at the same time
1: well then that speaks to recruiting so right. then it, they're just well, not out there recruiting
0: well no or so developing i has been very good about both those things in recent years. I don't know. I think part of it was the quarterback wasn't ready to be out there. I really mm-hmm. do. I think that's a huge part of it. I think that, um, I think the offensive line got whipped. I don't think I know that. The offensive line had a bad day. I think that the defense was pretty good. They forced four turnovers. That's good. what you.
1: That's oh, what that it doesn't make any sense to me if I'm looking at the stat line and you're looking at Louisville giving up the ball four times and yet Cincinnati scores seven points. They score one time.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, it insane. Was, yeah, no, it was a terrible, this was not a bad defensive performance from Cincinnati. It was a horrific offensive performance. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And it's
0: it, was
1: tough.
0: it was cold and you know, whatever. Same, same weather conditions for each team. No excuse there, but.
1: I was also right in my pick.
0: Yeah, this was the only bowl game that we differed on because otherwise we took AAC across the board. So you're right about that. Uh, Yes. I (laughs) went AAC across the board just out of loyalty. But anyway. I understand.
1: I just really didn't think they were going to win, but I also did not think it was going to be that bad. So
0: yeah. There you Uh, go. The other bowl game we had was the New Mexico Bowl, which was BYU 24, SMU 23.
1: Like literally, I could not hate a game more than this game like going in i was like you know it's funny is i was in the bahamas we had just um gotten back from our swimming with the pigs you know excursion and we're sitting in the hotel room and this game is on so i'm making you know kim and my friend elena watch it they don't care at all and i barely care but i'm like it's on and you know i'm resting so i'm like i'll just turn it on but i was like sitting there i was like i i don't think i could hate a matchup more than the scene smu play byu it was just like a nightmare of, of a game. And then the first half was just awful. Mm-hmm. I couldn't watch the second half.
0: I uh, I had been driving for 12 hours at that point. I stopped at a <laughs> hotel in Virginia. And by the time we got settled on, I put the game on. It was about halftime. SMU had the ball. And the very first play I saw was a bubble screen that Tanner Mordecai mm-hmm. threw for a pick six. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of game it really was, was just sloppy, ugly. ugly. Yeah. I think um, you
1: knew when SMU started out with a field goal as their first score. I think that, to me, was like, okay, this is
0: not... I wasn't, like, overly impressed by BYU in any respect, either. No. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, SMU's defense wasn't bad, but their offense uh, disappeared.
1: Yeah, which, what is going on with AAC Both Cincinnati and SMU have pretty potent offenses.
0: Yeah. I mean, bowl season's weird. Yeah, I guess. uh, I don't know. Don't you want to
1: win your bowl games, though? Like, you get bonuses for winning them if you're a coach. So, I think, like
0: coaches definitely do but i mean it's such a weird i think a lot of coaches are still adjusting to what this time of year is now with it we gotta think tomorrow we're recording this on tuesday tomorrow is the early signing period the transfer portal is off the walls right now like yeah there's a lot of roster building stuff and off the field stuff right now that coaches are like it's more important than winning your bowl game because yeah Getting your roster right for next season and going and winning ten games in the regular season, is Frank. It is more important than winning the New match. Well, I
1: because agree with you. Right now, but
0: getting transfers in and getting that signing class right this year is so much more important than beating BYU in this game.
1: It is. This is what people are going to remember, though, until yeah. we see them play next right. year. And this is what you're going to look back that on.
0: Knacked in a few bowl games, though, and he end up with a power five job. So, like,
1: I'm not saying that it's detrimental, but I don't. It's not good. You know, no, it's no, like it's not good yeah. to end your season this way. I, I want, will give a shout out to Tyler nothing. Levine, the the running back from SMU. He actually had a very like better game than we would think because the passing mm-hmm. was so bad. He was able to carry the ball twenty three times, ninety one yards, and one touchdown. Not it, super stellar numbers, but was impressive in the plays that you that he did get in on. So,
0: and I just want to before we wrap up, I want to talk about that final sequence of plays at the end of the game. For- <laughs> So they score a touchdown to make it 24-23 with like eight seconds left. And they choose to go for two instead of playing for overtime, which I am all for. Because no one needed more of that game at that point. No. No. Go win it it or lose it in regulation. I'm all for that. The play call they made for their two-point conversion was the dumbest two-point conversion play I have ever seen. (laughs) I watched it several times. Best I can tell, it was a run-pass option where the pass option was a bubble screen behind the line of scrimmage on a two-point play that was covered. The run option was a quarterback draw, which was mm. also covered because they didn't have numbers in the box. So when they took away the bubble screen, Tanner Mordecai had no chance about to run into a crowded like a box where he didn't have numbers, and he got stuffed. And he's not that good of a He's not like an atrocious runner, but he's not that good of a runner. You don't think of him as a runner first, you know? Yeah. And why are you not designing a play where if I'm fine with it being an RPO, but why is it not give to the halfback and then have someone like one or two routes in the end zone to throw to? Why is the whole thing playing like you need to go three yards? Why are you doing this behind the line of scrimmage? That mm-hmm. makes sense. Play call was atrocious. Decision was good. Play call was atrocious. It's
1: the worst case scenario in that situation. So. Just like it was tough. I'm, I, you know, hats off yeah. to everybody that watched the whole game and made it through. You guys are the real MVPs if, if you did that. So, yeah. Speaking of other AAC bowl games, we are going to continue our theme of having just phenomenal guests on this Underdog Dynasty AAC podcast. And yes, it is another two lane player. Okay. Because oh, they're God. in, yeah, they're in the biggest bowl game of the conference they're playing usc in the cotton bowl on new year's eve which is about to be the most epic showdown i think i'm very excited for it i'll be out there this guy is going to be out there too so stay tuned we're about to get on the horn with one of the two lane players who's going to talk about how the green wave is going to attack usc offensively and what the game plan is to beat this pac 12 powerhouse so stick around (laughs) All right, thank you guys for sticking around. We have a special treat for you. Yet another two-lane football player joining the Underdog Dynasty AAC podcast. Another first as well. We love breaking these guys in. We love having them on sh- and having them share their stories with you. So without ado, I'd like to officially welcome two-lane tight end Tyreek James to the Underdog Dynasty podcast. Welcome to the show.
2: How y'all doing? How you doing?
1: We are doing good. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great.
1: Feeling good? Living good?
2: Yes, man. Oh,
1: <laughs> it's hard it not to in New Orleans, honestly.
2: Mm-mm. It's, it's very it's very hard. <laughs> if you're a bad day in New Orleans, it's... Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with that
0: person. <laughs> <laughs> Whose fault is it, really?
1: And that's kind of what I want to ask is my first question as I was reading some of your stuff and through your bio. And one of the things that you mentioned as a, a selling point in New Orleans, and we're going to get to how you got to Tulane in a second, but they said that food is something that you really enjoy about that area. So coming from Texas, you know, where food is pretty king, barbecue is on point, you know, lots of, mm. lots of good food. What is the food in New Orleans that you found
2: that you really love? Uh, Cajun food. I really, honestly, when I was in Texas, I really, I really never really adventured outside of Tex-Mex and uh, barbecue and soul food, things like that, because, I mean, growing up, that's basically basically all I had. And then my dad, my dad's wife, my stepmom, she's Mexican, so I'm getting the Mexican side of food. So it's just, I haven't really ventured out, so uh, coming my, my first time I really haven't had seafood bowls or oh, crab okay. bowls or anything like that. anything, anything Cajun never had before. And you like besides, it now. But besides Jambalaya out the box, but <laughs> Jum- <like
1: that. laughs> out the box. I didn't even know. I didn't know you could do yeah, that. You, but...
0: Yeah, you get a little box of jambalaya. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I had not known that. I learned something new. Um have you had any of the and I never say this right, Po oh, boys?
2: Boy boys. Boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, those... it's a it's a it's a place called uh, Bears. Has, uh-huh. I, I get a shrimp boy boy.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. says the shrimp is the best That's one. That's good one. So... Shrimps, yeah, shrimp's
0: the way to go. Some people will go like roast beef or
1: what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was only seafood for them. No,
2: uh-uh. oh. no you can oh, chicken, chicken yep. and all. that Okay, okay. Like fried, fried shrimp it's the way to go. We come get a prize from football.
1: That's good to know. Well, I know there's a place nearby. Um, your fellow teammate, you know, Will Wallace, and fellow tight end, he lives across the street from, there's like a diner. And I always say it wrong because I call it by its name. It's like someplace that has freeze it, uh, the freeze or frost something. I, yes, the frost up. And so I call... And the funny thing is, I'm are
2: currently- you standing right? <laughs> I'm currently at Willow of house and I'm currently across the
1: street. So, I walk from there to the Frost Stop all the time and they have really good food, probably some of the best burgers. And my my friend Kim, she tried one of the potboards there and it was amazing. So, shout out Frost Stop, mm-hmm. but do not call it by its given name, which is like Tim's or I don't know what it. I said it that way and everybody like, made fun of
2: me. It's like te- people call it Ted's. Ted's Frost yeah. We mm-hmm. call it Ted's Frostop frost up. It, it all
1: depends on how you say it. Yeah. I said it wrong and got ridiculed, so everybody everybody beware. But anyways, all right, well, let's dive into some football. Dan, you want to kick it off?
0: Well, yeah, I was actually going to start. You mentioned that you're from Texas, so I was Julian's mm-hmm. going to the Cotton Bowl, I was wondering what your relationship is with that bowl game. When did you first know about it growing oh, yeah. up? What does it mean yeah. to you? Uh, I
2: really haven't known about the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, but I've known I've known uh, since that since the new AT and T Stadium has come into play. since then once Dallas, like once they moved from Irving to Arlington, mm-hmm. I've known of like the Big Twelve Championship. That's about the only like big college football game that I know that that gets played at the AT and T Stadium. But the Cotton Bowl, this is like other than like coming to college and like seeing the new york six bowls before that i've never really knew anything about the cotton ball
1: okay well i mean you're getting to experience it now to play in it so that's going to be better than any memory you could have had are you going to have a lot of family that come out to this
2: oh yes um, <laughs> like everybody family, family friends you can you name it like like uh, I <laughs> do not exaggerate when I say my whole family, not just like like the James family, but like people that like our whole like we can have a family reunion. So all my family from Memphis, all my family from or well, most of my family is originated <laughs> in Wheelie, Arkansas. So all okay. my family from Memphis, Arkansas, Texas, Canada. They're like look, Texarkana. I- Canada. Like Tyreek's playing the Cotton Bowl, like everybody, let's like, get the tickets. Yeah. We all we got a family reunion at the Cotton Bowl. Are you gonna we have? Haven't a, we haven't had a family reunion in, since before COVID. All right, so everybody so wants James to get family reunion. Something. Okay, yes, man.
0: What What does the James family uh, tailgate look like? What are you doing for that? <laughs>
2: yeah. Those guys uh, <laughs> off the wall, they off the wall.
0: When everybody, when
2: everybody. <laughs> When everybody gets around each other, it's just one, it's like two peas in the pot. Everybody's clicking <laughs> off each other and everybody's just having a good time.
1: That's awesome. We can't wait. Well, I- I'm going to be there, so I'm going to have to go out and find them and see, you know, what it's all about. I'll bring some some drinks out there and see what's going on. But yeah, um, let's jump into a little bit about how everybody we talk to that ends up at Tulane has a unique story about how they got there. but it always ends the same you know it's this incredible experience they fall in love with the school when they see it and and the team this year especially is so special so how did you find your way to Tulane in New Orleans and and what made you stay and have this great experience
2: so my story is probably different than everybody else's but okay so coach Fritz was in high school uh, i was coached by uh, this guy with, uh, named Mark Bell, mm-hmm. and he has a son named Sean and Brian Bell. Well, Sean Sean's the oldest, and he was like in Magnolia, like Magnolia, Texas. and He coached out there, and I want to say probably my junior year, well, my sophomore year, he came back. He was he was uh, a GA at, at Georgia Southern, but then he came back to. To China, to China Spring, where I play uh, high school, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, coach Bell coached Brian Bell at Sam Houston. He was coach, like my my head coach, like my OC at the time, Brian. He led Sam Houston to a national championship with Coach Fritz. Uh, uh-huh. And okay, um, so he knew Coach Roos, Coach Roos, yeah, Coach Roos at the time, Coach Doug Roos, He was uh, the OC and. Um, so, my, my coach—he just knew basically all the background of Coach Fritz and everything like that. And so, the thing when the, the offense that we were running in high school—it
0: mm-hmm.
2: just so instant, it, inconditionally like they ran the same offense here at Tulane. And I was such a big—I was such a big factor in high school in my offense because I played quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. <laughs> Play all those. I was I was successful in all the positions. I was just like, shoot, this offense is the same offense that I'm running here in here. in high school, I might as well go to it in college. So that's how that's how I found two because Coach Brian because B because I call him Coach B because B came he came to came to me. He's like, yeah, you got an offer of I was like, oh, what is that? Where is that? I don't, right. where, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know where is that. I started doing research, I was like, oh, it's New Orleans. So when it came time down, when it came down time down to it, I was like, oh I every like most guys wanna stay in Texas. Like right. Texas football is so big. So I was like, man, I don't I told my mom I was like, I don't want to leave Texas, like I don't want to leave because both of my, my both of my older brothers played college ball and like they stayed in Texas, but I was like, and they got to be home, like coach my mom. I was like, I'm the only one like that. that got, they got to go far. I don't want to. I don't want to leave Texas. <laughs> so my mama was like, No, you're leaving Texas. Get away. Did it's your funny.
1: mom like? Did she like Tulane? Was she in favor? Like, because yeah. it's an academic she, school
2: and all that. Yeah. mhm Yeah. She loved it, and so uh-huh. she was just like, You get a chance to get a great education, mm-hmm. and you get you actually get the chance to grow up on your own and see problems for yourself and like to be able to grow up and like not rely on me so much. Yeah. So that's how that's how I found Tulane. And that's how well, I'm here now.
1: It's a good ending to a story, but it's not over yet. But the Tulane chapter we're starting to come to a close. um You mentioned that you played all these positions in high school. How did you end up as a tight end on the Tulane in the Tulane offense?
2: Because I started out. I started out as a tight end in high school. Like okay. that was my only that was my only position. Okay. And then it just so happened, like some guys went down in high school and it was like I just I think I've always been the guy to like learn so many things. Like mm-hmm. so wait, that way like if I'm needed, like I can like make they they, they 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 just feed me in. Right. And, the next position I went to was our Z receiver, our outside receiver. And I had my sophomore year, I, I had like seven touchdowns that year. <laughs> and then my junior year, I I played receiver, played tight end, and I played running back a little bit, like our heavy back. Like when we down the goal line, they was like, oh, he can run. Mm-hmm. And I was, my senior year, was, uh, we didn't have a quarterback. But then,
1: so you just so played I, quarterback. I
2: started, I started. I started out. I started out playing quarterback, and then we finally. Uh, I got the guy to come back to play quarterback for us.
1: Okay, so, so he came wow.
2: back. Okay, so I started out. He came back, and then I finished playing all the other positions: tight end so, running back. If something
1: playing. ever happened to Michael Pratt, could you step in
2: and throw the ball for Tulane? Yeah, if I if coach, <laughs> if, if the coaches would let me. Cause, cause Chris knows I can throw. So see every time that, sh- every time that should be a like, play. Uh, little, yeah. At
0: time, the very least. At the very least that's a double pass.
2: We should like, see that. Well, stepping out of retirement, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the awesome. Coaches, the coaches know I can throw the ball.
1: Okay. Right. Um, what has it been like to be part of this? Offense that is is very favorable to the tight end that utilizes the position a lot. You guys have that two tight end set that you run sometimes, and you and Will are such a good complement to each other. You know, you more of the pass catching, mobile tight end; him more of the blocking. What is that like to be part of that?
2: Man, it's, it's, it's it's awesome. It's fun. It, 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 it's fun. Not only getting a lot of praise for being like a a big third down threat to other teams. But I know when it's time, I know when it, like, I would, people always be like, why you, like, why you don't be so selfish with getting the ball? Like, I always, my brother has always said, when it's your time, it's your time. Right. When it's your time to make the play, you're going to make the play. And I've always been the guy, like, I've been a very unselfish guy. So, like, I'd rather, I'd rather me get doubled and my partner, on the other side he he can
1: catch the ball and he can get yards would you say that sorry Dan one more thing would you say that when it's that motto when it's your time it's your time that's kind of like the the motto of your team especially this season because all the guys have stepped up when they need to step up like Spears and Pratt and you and Will and everybody even your freshman tight end stepping up when you need to would you say that's kind of indicative of who you guys are
2: Yes, we we always say you're one you're one play away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You're one play away from, um, from getting in, and just like like, like you had to say at the freshman tight end, he do. I I had to come out like for a little bit in the championship game, mm-hmm. and it, big third down, big third down in seven, I think, and he came in the game where we were eight personnel. So lucky, the ball had came to him, and he, he got a first down. We kept on going. And, Luckily, that drive, we scored. Yeah, mm-hmm. he
1: did step up in a big way.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the AC championship game this year. That's, you know, the first AAC championship for Tulane, the first conference they've, championship you guys have had in a couple decades now. What was that like around campus? What were the emotions? How would how people treat you all of a sudden? Is it any different? Or?
2: I mean, nah, nobody, nobody really treated them different but – we, we didn't we didn't take that moment for granted. I, I can tell you that we 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 definitely lived we definitely lived in that moment for a long time after even after the game because after the game we got our hats like we got our hats to say championship like champions and I mean probably the entire week after we had won the championship everybody in the locker room is coming back to coming back to practice with that hat on <laughs> so everybody. <laughs> A lot of people, a lot of people around. was like, God, ow. y'all gonna let that hat? Y'all gonna let that hat go? We were like, No, <laughs> we were not. We, we I tried to get one of those
1: hats on the field after the game, and it was like impossible. <laughs> I was trying to get one, and I couldn't because they were. You guys were holding on to them like that was
2: important, you know. So, oh yeah, but, those
0: hats are important until they win the Cotton Bowl. Then you got wear the. And cotton.
2: then you got a new hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nah, I, I don't think the Cotton Bowl. I don't think Cotton Bowl had hey, gonna be better winning the AAC championship okay. because I think that that's that was our motto. After last, after last year, after going two and ten, our motto after the season was, mm-hmm. we're not selling enough for nothing less less than a championship, a conference championship. Yep. Yeah, we made it to a bowl game, but we didn't made it to to to, uh, to three of them already. So yeah. like, man, we have to make it to this conference championship and we have to win it. Like there's no, there's nothing less. There's nothing under that. I would we'd rather win the conference championship and have that trophy sitting in our facility.
1: <laughs> that trophy went everywhere
2: that night. It didn't just go to oh, the that facility. Night. Oh, that it was night, in oh, a taxi, that night It was, was at the club. <laughs> oh, that night it was all over the place. And that, I think one of, the, one of the teammates had slept with the trophy.
1: Had had the, the trophy in his bed we saw the pictures of it yes it it was definitely everywhere but I think that it shows like how important that was to you guys and what that meant to kind of not only win the championship but be able to beat UCF for the second time at playing them and beating them in the stadium in front of all your fans especially that first game was tough I mean they had a lot of fans at that first game they kind of out yelled a little bit and so you guys came back so strong and what what was that environment completely different from the first time you guys played them
2: uh honestly when we're on that field we, we don't coach first always tell us we we just, we matter what go in between those lines like yeah like looking up in the stands it's nice but i'm i'm 100 percent sure all of our all the people that that played that night they like, nobody was everybody tuned the fans out yeah that's
1: fair. So Um I was able to speak with your tight ends coach last week, coach Slade Nagel, who's awesome, and you know, he he's a very good play maker, he's a good play caller, he's very creative and he thinks in a unique way, and I'm curious what it's been like to have somebody like that as your tight ends coach this year.
2: Oh. <laughs> I love I love coach Nagel. he <laughs> been there cuz I've, I've gotten since i I've gotten it. He just he just he, he teaches he teaches me a lot of things. And it's just like not 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 just with football but life. So having 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 that type of guy that, that not only coaches you are on the field, but he's also gonna give me great advice outside.
1: Oh football. What what's like a good piece of advice he's giving you off the field? Like dating advice or like school advice?
2: It's not it's really probably the best advice that he's that he's given me uh, since I since I've gotten here because I I I wasn't really like on my own per se, mm-hmm. but my mom she tried to get me into it. But when I first got here, probably the best advice that he's gotten me is know how to manage your time. Mm-hmm. Your time on your time on your time on this earth is it's not it's not you only here for a certain amount of
1: time, right?
2: And he's like, you know how to manage your time because when you once, once this football thing is done, it's like, look, you're gonna have to go into the real world and then you're really gonna have to manage the time. So it's like, can't be just teaching us all these things of not being late or showing up two minutes before the meeting starts is not, it's just, you're late basically because let's say you show two, up, two minutes early on the job you walk in late you're fired is like he always like you're fired or or like like he he always jokes he always jokes sometimes he'd be like when when somebody like comes in late with me he's like yeah you would have been fired right there you would
1: have been fired yeah exactly
2: (laughs) or is either fired or like if you're going to the next level he's like yeah you're fine you'd be fine yeah if you had money if you had money you'd give me some money right now yeah that is exact. I'm
1: glad that he prepares you for that next level because, you know, this is the time when we're looking to see you maybe make this jump to the to the NFL and play at the next level. He talked about how you've improved your blocking game. That's something that when you started to now that you've made huge strides in. What do you think that you would bring to an NFL team as a tight end, especially in a time right now where tight ends are a huge part of the NFL, you know, offense?
2: I this is
1: you know. gotta sell yourself,
2: man. Here we go. What do you got? <laughs> Honestly, I, I really don't like I really don't even know. I, I really let everybody I've always been the person to let everybody else tell my game. <laughs> I've never because I'm such a hopeful person and right. I just everybody always be like, Well, well I'm surprised you like not cocky and things like that. And like <laughs> that's not the type of person I am. So it's right. just like I just let everybody else tell tell my game for me. Okay,
1: but do you think that blocking something you've improved on over the years?
2: Well, it's something that that's something that I've definitely that's something that I've definitely have evolved in because mm-hmm. I haven't really blocked per se like how they do in college. I didn't right. really do that in high school, but blocking I definitely had to do that because. Um, we played. We had such a triple, a triple option offense, and so I had to block at receiver and things like that. So mm-hmm. I had a little blocking, but not as much blocking as I had, I've had to do in, in my five years
0: here. Yeah, that's awesome,
1: Dan. You got anything else?
0: I'm all set. If you're all set, Emily,
1: I guess I'll ask you one last question. Um, well, two. One's football. What do you you guys obviously have been practicing for combo? You've looked at film, I'm sure of USC. What do you see from their defense as you're looking to match up against them um on new year's
2: Oh, oh those guys <laughs> they all over the place they're pretty big, <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody says, there everybody's in y'all think it's the mismatch no we don't we don't think it's a mismatch. We think it. we don't have go out there and have some fun. And it was uh yeah those guys they they just really they, they fly around and they uh, they got they got some good players on the team
1: yeah so you guys are gonna have to run your routes tight you're gonna have to hit everything well not turn the ball over right like these are all things that are being talked about
2: yeah yeah, man most definitely most definitely have uh, boss here because uh, those <laughs> guys are like when I, when I say they'd be flying around like they're, they're top of the nation in terms of takeaway margin. Yeah. And so, yeah. Coach Fritz and Coach uh, Coach uh Nagel they and Coach Boda, they uh they all be like ball security you got a premium at its all time high. Even when you're even when nobody's around. Right. You better sleep with that football. <laughs> yes, <man.
1: laughs> um, okay. My last question is a fun one. We just do this all the time with guys. So, if you were going to somebody on your team because you had like, let's say you're going to you know. The NFL draft, and you got to dress, you got to drip nice. Who are you going to on the team for fashion advice? <laughs> my homeboy,
2: my well, my, like my dog, uh, the the other Tyreek, Tyreek Presley. Okay, if,
1: why why would you go to him?
2: Not, if it's, it, it, wait, are, okay, so okay, so is it anybody on the team, or is it like anybody in general um, that's involved with football? I mean, I'll, coaches,
1: yeah, yeah, we'll do the team, and then who is there? Someone else in football that you would go to?
2: Most definitely. So, on the team or on the players, uh, yes, yeah, so most definitely my my homeboy, uh, the other Tyreek on Tulane okay. football. What about on question. the coaching staff? The coaching staff? Oh my gosh, Coach Hamp and, Coach and JJ. To, uh, yeah, I knew it was gonna be JJ. It was. <laughs> <laughs> those two, those two guys probably have the best and when we go on a way trip oh, they just they they be blowing everybody out the water like yeah one time because jj came in a suit he came in this like this nice brown brownish suit and he had some uh some gucci shoes on oh he's something. always got the gucci shoes ah, the belt with, 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 with <laughs> the louis belt and some mm-hmm. uh, a versace shade i think yeah he he does not dress. He does it.
1: <laughs> okay, so who would you go to in the football world then?
2: Football world. Uh
1: like is there somebody in the NFL that you see on game day and you're like, Oh, that
2: person comes fitted? Like I would model
1: myself after that?
2: Uh probably. Lately I've been seeing like the style I'm not, like uh the way he's been dressing lately. Okay. He's been dressing okay. like real nice he, like casual but Still kind of fancy. Okay. I dig that.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, we can't wait to see you in the Cotton Bowl. I'll see you out there in Dallas, and I, I'm going to be looking for the whole James clan. I hope they have T-shirts that they're going to be wearing for this reunion.
2: <laughs> they're going to be all over the place. Because
0: <laughs> Once we
2: once we have won, won the championship, my cousin, uh, Tristan, he had called me. He was like, yep, we're going to be down there in Dallas. He's like, we got to get we the whole family
1: that's awesome. Fun. It's going to be a party, and hopefully, we'll have something to celebrate a two lane victory. So, good yes, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and we will see you. I'll see you in Dallas. All right. Thank you. Right. Bye, Tyreek. Thanks for that. Wait, hold on one second.
0: All right. That was pretty awesome from Tyreek, I think. But uh, we're not done. We are doing our own little award season kind of. Jam now, I guess, is how you'd say it. Uh, end of season awards are important, I guess. You know, who's the best player, most, you know, best coach, all that stuff. We've got a few awards we want to give out, but a little bit more casual. We both came up with a few different categories we want to give out a little bit of an award to for just impressing us this season, but keeping it more light than just repeating. Like, we think the best offensive. <laughs> Was also Tajay Spears.
1: I kind of like, want to give an award to Tyreek James now because that was one of the best interviews like best interviews we've had on here. He was I so think. great.
0: Yeah, but you know, you guys. That's not the one of argument. our
1: categories. I understand, but well, oh, actually, no, gonna, I think I did do the, that.
0: Yeah, you create the. Yeah, you've got best interview. You could do that if you felt like it. Uh, I have to
1: give him an honorable mention there because that was very, very. Interesting hearing his take on those things. And I thought the most interesting thing, and I'm sorry, I, I got to say this, is that they were, that he thinks they'd be, they were more excited to win that AAC championship than okay. having the Cotton Bowl hat.
0: That jumped out to me. And yeah. I actually think that's a really good, healthy attitude to have in the modern game. I think this is a very broad uh, brush I'm going to paint real quick, but I think way too often we become obsessed with the postseason in college football and specifically the playoff. And I guess this is more of a power five issue in general, but like, you know what I mean? You have this rhetoric that the playoff, the playoff, the playoff, that's what matters. And it, that's what devalues bowl games is when people are told, like, say you're, you know, say you're Tennessee this year and you were told all year, oh, you could make the playoff. That's what really matters most of all. And then you fall short and you're in the orange bowl. It makes the orange bowl not feel special, which it should feel special. But like, so should conference championships. Those should mean something to be special too, you know? Yes, I think, absolutely. i you know, value things that, th- things like that matter. And I like that. I like that. And,
1: yeah, it,
0: it was um, neat. We've got a- awards to give out, Emily. Uh, and I'm going to start us off here real quick. I'm going to take the best uniform award. And I'm going to tell you what, it's so obvious it hurts. It's the UCF space game. It always is. Because those uniforms are fun, they have meaning behind them, and they always just look excellent. And they beat, I mean, if we're talking space uniforms, they're better than Navy's NASA uniforms.
1: No way.
0: Easy. I, re- no I actually like, I changed my opinion about halfway through the Army Navy game. I was like, actually, I don't think these look good in the middle of the game.
1: Interesting, because in person they, they looked started, good.
0: Know, halfway through the game, I started to be like, I think armies are better. And then by the end of the game, I was like, yeah, I don't really like Navies, I think. I think they look cool like bits and pieces. I don't think it looked good as a, a whole thing. Interesting. Uh, I mean, if we're doing best uniforms for a team throughout the season, it's obviously Tulane. Everyone knows it.
1: Okay, well, see, so you just stole mine. So mine was going to be Tulane's baby blues. Always yeah. the best uniform, hands yeah, down.
0: That's like, I mean, depending on the combo they go, I, I like when they blend the baby blue with the olive green a little bit. I don't... Yeah. I don't need to be pure baby blue, but uh, yeah, no, Tulane obviously has great uniforms just by their nature. I think, you know, I'm giving UCF credit for the space game specifically.
1: Well, mine was Tulane, so there you go.
0: (laughs) That's my least favorite uniform. Emily was those black in like royal blue uniforms that SMU wore. Like the all black things. Hated those. Don't know why. Usually like black uniforms. Hated those.
1: Sometimes... They don't translate. Like the idea of black is nice, but
0: I think it bothered me that the blue felt like a different shade of blue than what SMU normally wears. And I like SMU's regular uniform, so I was just like, I don't know, what's the point of this?
1: When I saw it on the screen, I was like, oh, this is kind of sick. And then I was like, oh no, it's not. So (laughs) I feel you on that. All right, what's your next one?
0: My next one is the most fun game we watched this year. Very simple. What's the most fun game? Not the best game. Not the most important game. What was the most fun? And the obvious answer for most fun Oh, my God. You
1: can't say obvious every time.
0: In my opinion, I added... Okay, there we go. SMU 77, Houston 63. (laughs) It was dumb, it was nonsense, and it was just fun. And I don't think I need to defend that argument, that point.
1: No, I think that's a fair thing to say. I went ahead and, and did Army Navy just because for me, like that's the most fun experience of a game. Maybe not the most interesting game, but it was historic. We got to see this exciting double overtime and and all the pomp and circumstance is I'm, so great. I'm so
0: glad you chose the exact opposite game of me. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. Zero points. Run the ball. None points.
0: And you know, in all fairness, there's a time of games that are purely fun. Like ECU Temple was insanely fun for what mm-hmm. it was. ECU
1: right? games tend to be fun, whoever yeah. they're playing, I feel like so. I-
0: you know, there's just been a ton of really fun games this year in the conference. and I think don't take that for granted. Right. Uh, the next award I, that I need to give out is the best coach sideline moment. And this is yeah. something that I Coach you on the side. Like last year, it would have been Gus Malzahn coaching from crutches and stuff like this year for me, it's Dana chugging a Red Bull at noon against DCU. That okay, the cameras count. just walking back and forth, pacing, chugging Red Bulls. And I thought that was just the silliest, most Dana thing there has ever been. And you know, Mine. I liked
1: it. Mine is also Dana Hogerson, but when he told the fans to go f themselves and to shut the f up.
0: Back, so. Yeah, back back. Both are perfect Dana moments.
1: Yep. <laughs> Duality of Dana. Oh
0: uh, wow! Well, uh, moving on. Then I've got the most electric play of the season.
1: I bet ours is the same here as well.
0: Mine's the Alec collar one-handed.
1: Yeah, doctor. it has to be. It has to yeah. be. Mine is too.
0: Has yeah. to be the best I, I don't know how you would pick anything else.
1: Right. You
0: know, and I'm, there was other electric plays. I don't know how you could say any other game was more electric. in
1: a rivalry game. You know, the way the catch went down, it
0: was incredible. The, yeah. The point in the game, uh, the fact that you UCF needed that to make the conference championship game. And at that point, potentially the cotton Bowl, if they had beaten Tulane, you know, everything about that was great. Uh, and then I had – this is similar to one that you have, but mine was the biggest off-field surprise we saw this season. For me, it was Fickle leaving Cincinnati because the dialogue around Fickle has been that he would only leave Cincinnati for like two jobs, maybe three. It would be Ohio State, Notre Dame, maybe Penn State. They went to Wisconsin. Not a bad job. Good Big Ten yeah. job. But still caught me really off guard.
1: Interesting. Mine's off-field surprise is not uh, football-oriented, but it was when I found out that – Seth Hennigan is an expert ping pong player and that's what he likes to do in okay. his spare time as a hobby.
0: So Yeah, that is surprising. But
1: I thought it was yeah, kinda yeah, I was surprised. I
0: think it actually, makes sense. It's a hand-eye coordination thing that he'd be good at it, right?
1: I mean, I think yes, it does make sense, but it's also he doesn't strike me. I don't know, it just it, it didn't go with the vibe of a, you know, group of five quarterbacks. Like, I was very surprised to hear that. And I guess he takes it very seriously and his whole family does it. So it's kind of this neat little quirk. So that was my
0: cool
1: yeah that was fun all right
0: you get some awards from you
1: yes so my first one is clearly derived just so that i can give it to one person one person only it is the thick king honor for the ac and it obviously goes to whole nailers um he is our thick king he is the thickest quarterback in the ac so he deserves some recognition for that i'm not sure how you're going to pick somebody else but you could try
0: i'm gonna have to step on your toes i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to hurt your brand I'm going to fullback, Dabo Fofana.
1: Okay, Dabo Fofana, I'm here for that.
0: Had a great year as the Navy fullback. Fun to watch, great power up the middle. You know what? There's your thick king.
1: He's too young, but I think give him another year or two, and he might give people run for his money, for sure. Okay, okay. I like it. All right, the next one is best interview. And obviously after today, I want to say Tyreek James because he was incredible. But prior to this, I actually put Alec Haller because I thought his interview on our podcast was really interesting, how he told us his story, being a walk-on and how Gus knew his name and then put him into the system. And he had oh, this incredible year. So I, th- I thought that was a really good interview.
0: I tried to avoid our podcast story. I was trying to think. I like, oh. I ended up, no, no, it was fine. I think I misinterpreted your note. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, best
1: interview but, you saw. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what I went with. And I went back to the Dana Holgerson well after they beat UTSA talking about drinking vodka and Red Bull. And yeah. again, just the Dana Holgerson brand this season has been truly, truly ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Pretty much all. any Dana Holgerson interview was yeah. going to be
0: good. That's all I ever want from his is just not and <laughs> offense.
1: Never changed, Dana. Yeah. Um, all right, most shocking conference news. And for me, that was the firing of Kenya Matalolo. Had to be the most shocking thing that I saw.
0: Yeah, I... <sighs> It, the way that went down was really shocking to yes. me. I, for me, we I just,
1: knew I, he might be in the hot seat, but the way that they did it, especially right after the Army game, like that, no.
0: Yeah. yeah. For me, I went with <laughs> I kind of cheated and went with something from the off season, uh, which is that just re- realignment's happening now, not two or three years from now. The news that you know the three or the three teams are leaving after this season, and the six are coming in, it happened over the summer. So. I used that.
1: That oh was goodness. that was surprising when it happened. I like that. feels so long ago. So my second to last category here is surprising, most surprising performance in the AAC this year, and I had to give it to Temple quarterback EJ Warner for coming in as a freshman, taking over for Duan Mathis after he just like tanked um slash was probably still hurt slash who knows and i eat i eat a little bit there because i thought this was going to be math this i thought with all this stuff gone he was going to be the guy he just wasn't talented and that's kind of what i heard from former temple coaches later is like he just wasn't as good as everyone thought he was going to be or was should be or whatnot so you have ej warner step in have incredible games of course he's kurt warner's son makes sense but as a freshman to take that on it was very surprising to see him do so well
0: emily i gotta tell you what I had DJ Warner too.
1: <laughs> How could you I not, right? We had
0: him specifically in the month of November too, when felt like he got past this like hurdle and started to really take off offensively. It was, it was fun to watch. All of a sudden Temple was like clicking on offense and that was, I thought really cool.
1: It was neat. All right. Last one is best and worst crowd this season. All right. So for my, my best crowd, I had to go Tulane lane. Mm-hmm. Even when, and especially when UCF was there, it was the best crowd I've seen in college football in a while because they were so mm-hmm. fun, engaged, and all that stuff. Um, and my worst one was Houston, uh, every time.
0: <laughs> say, same answers for both, to be honest with you. I, had, <laughs> I specifically gave Tulane's AAC championship crowd my nod. Yeah. I thought that they did a great they job in stadium and the crowd was great. The fan section was great. Uh, and this is
1: a hard category because, you know, you have Cincinnati as a great home crowd. E- ECU love- as a great home crowd. Memphis generally yeah, does a good a job. Home so.
0: crowd, you don't have to skip yeah. them. You don't have to skip them just because you know I'm going to say it.
1: Sorry. UCF is a good home yeah. crowd. They, yeah. They're yeah. often the ones yeah. that people say they like to play yeah. in. So
0: Navy's got a really good unique home crowd too. Let's, you know, don't overlook that. Um, yeah. I also, at Houston is the worst. I specifically picked up the Temple game because that's the one I sent you a photo of the stands that they're showing like at kickoff when there might have been a dozen people on them in it. Houston the entire second half of the season especially just had no one in the stadium and it's like you're going to the big 12 next year I know this year was disappointing but where is the fan support right now that I know yeah that, I think that packs it in the way sincere UCF does but that was really disappointing to me that
1: it was it was I liked how you're you texted me and you're like I forget what you said about this oh it looked like part of the Scenery, or oh, the fans were blending into the stands because yeah. Yeah. there weren't none.
0: They, they all dressed. They all dressed the stands for. The they dressed
1: the stands for the game. That's that was funny. It made me laugh. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our little all conference superlatives from yeah. the Underdog Dynasty podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you like the interview with Tyreek. We hope you'll follow him on social media. Um, we'll I'll tweet out his handles, but he's a really great kid and we think he's going to do good things at next level hopefully if someone takes a chance on the tight end from Waco, Texas as always you can follow me on social media at MLM E-M-I-L-N-E-M Instagram and Twitter
0: and you can find me on Twitter at Dan underscore Morrison 96 and we're off
1: we'll see you next time